This recording was made on Camaragal country, Sydney, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. I just fully trip myself out in the shower thinking about imagine imagine if you had a mate who made you a fresh banana bread loaf oh yes a fresh banana bread loaf every week no twice a week okay how good is that that's amazing and doesn't ask you for money for it delivers it to wherever you want not even your house if you're having a weird night and you're sleeping in your car because you're in the doghouse or the surf's pumping or something. You know, he'll deliver it anywhere. She'll deliver it anywhere. You have this amazing friend who's happy to make you a banana bread twice a week and deliver it to wherever you want. So imagine if that friend one day was like, hey, okay, I need to cut down to one banana bread loaf and here's why. I'm actually going to take care of all of your rubbish now as well. Like, you you know, your bins at home. I know. No, it's okay. This is real. You can relax. Seriously. I know. You know your bins at home. I'll take care of it. Like, don't worry about who's filling them up and stuff. But as far as where they, what actually happens to them, like the end of the line, I've got it covered, right? I've got it covered. But I'm sorry, only one banana bread a week now because of this. You'd probably be like, wow, don't even feel the need to make me... Actually, banana, I love your banana bread. I've developed quite a taste. But hey, if you're running tight one week, don't sweat it. You don't have to bring it to me. That's fine. If you're going to do that, with all of the stuff that I consume, you'll deal with the end of life of it, the actual end of the line of everything. That's fine. That's so worth one banana bread loaf a week. You know, that's okay. And if some weeks, like I say, you know, you're running tight or something, you always drop it to me the next day if you feel like it. Because, you know, I'm a selfish human being and stuff. I, I, I fucking don't just want it now, but I expect it. But hey, it's all good. Like, it's still all good. And thanks so much about the end of life of my rubbish and stuff. And okay, still a pretty good setup, right? Imagine that in real life. If you're still listening, hopefully it means you can actually imagine this in real life. And... Think about how good that is. That's amazing. You've got this amazing friend. You'd probably be wondering, if you're not a complete robot, hmm, I wonder what I can do for my friend who's doing this for me. Man, what is that friend like? Is there something I could maybe grab for them on my way home, make for Oh, I'm not much of a maker of things, you know, human being pretty selfish with my time and stuff like I'm a bit more of a buyer of things maybe I can buy them something I'll have a think I'll see what I can do to give something back to this amazing friend of mine and then a couple more weeks roll on and you get a knock at the door again it's not on a delivery day so you're thinking well rubbish was two nights ago I wasn't expecting banana bread till tomorrow and it's never early so what could this be about and sure enough it's your new friend well not that new anymore this friend's been helping you out like in a pretty major way for quite a while and this friend's there and they're just like hey look i've got some hard news to bear i i can't make you banana bread anymore i'm so sorry i would love to but, and I'd love to just blame it on my broken oven 
that has just seen so much service life as your waistline has expanded. Um, No, not just that. I wish I could say it was just because of that. No, it's actually because I've actually started doing the rubbish thing, you know, that I was doing for you. I've actually started doing that for a few more people and then they talk to each other and like I got recommendations and that was awesome. People were like, seemed, I kind of mistook it for appreciation. And then suddenly I'm doing what I've been doing for you for everyone, dude, seriously, for everyone, like not just the neighborhood, 7 billion of you. Okay. I can't make your banana bread anymore, but I can keep going. So, you know, that favor that you were thinking about, cause you know, I'm obviously this entirely extra dimensional deity at this point in the analogy. Um, I know your thoughts and I know you're thinking about doing me a favor and that'd be awesome if you could actually, because there's one really easy thing you could do for me, which is just give a shit about me. You know, actually give a shit about me. Think about me, not just in like one grandiose gesture that you can do in a tokenistic way and then just feel, you know, good about and stuff and feel like we're on an even keel of friendship here. I'm not going to stop giving until I'm forced to stop giving. I promise I'm not going to stop doing all the things I've been doing for you without being under not just extreme duress, but I just, it means I can't do it anymore physically, extinguished, done. I'm going to keep doing all those things. All I'm asking you is just think about me more and actually like genuinely think about me in the way that just like once a day, I was about to say a couple of times a day, but just once a day, it'd be awesome. If you just have a real legitimate think, maybe like 30 seconds or so, and just like really think about what you could do to help me in the long run. Friends, are we understanding this analogy? Obviously, I'm talking about the environment. That's your friend. And there is no way, oh, and this is a true story, if that's not self-evident by now. Well done on pointing out that otherwise confusing statement rolls, because otherwise it's been pretty smooth sailing and crystal clear what you meant up until now, and you just cooked it. (laughs) The, The analogy is real, obviously. The analogy is real, because that friend does exist, and it is called the environment, and it does stuff for you, not just every day, but every moment. And you know why, actually, because this friend of yours, let's just continue with the idea of the environment as your friend, my friend, because that's literally how I personify the environment sometimes. I guess it's like like a brain fart of some description to just try and anthropomorphize every single sentient, extra dimensional or non three dimensional being into just compress them into a, just shove them in the KitchenAid, put it on pastry dough, get that shit in the shape of a human. That's what my brain automatically does. And I actually do think about the environment as a human friend of mine sometimes who is doing me all this amazing stuff and never asks me, like doesn't actually directly ask me in the way that I just directly asked you in that ridiculous analogy, um, but is doing stuff for me all the time, constantly. And if that really was a person, how would I treat that person? Because And that's where, even though the anthropomorphization, too long of a word rolls, you idiot. <laughs> okay, that's a problem, making humans out of everything. But there is actually a benefit to it as well, which is that I find it then easier to determine my actions in the very real three-dimensional world in front of me in which this being that I'm trying to force into human shape cannot exist. But thinking about the environment as a person 
it makes me feel like a much more physical sense of duty or obligation because I've got real fr- <laughs> I've got real friends too, like some, a couple, and um, you know, I know what friendships like, and I know what that feeling is of like, wow, someone has shown me so much kindness. How you genuinely start brainstorming how you can be nice back. And so I find that actually quite helpful to then physically manifest in the things that I'm doing for the environment where, yeah, I'm desperate to get into the surf because it's pumping, but I see plastic everywhere. And it's almost like I look to my left or right or maybe just close my eyes and it's like I can see that friend (laughs) and they're busy, right? Busy as shit. You don't want to see my friend's diary. It's so full. But my friend is still there, standing with a picker-upper, a tool, and a repeat rubbish bag, ready to do it if I don't do it. And I'm standing there in a wetsuit with a surfboard, just feeling like such a grub, feeling like, look at me. I'm just desperate to get into the waves and frolic. (laughs) Because that's the most important thing in my life. (laughs) And I can't spend 10 minutes picking up the rubbish that I see right in front of me and is right next to the sea. That's literally, oh my God, I know I sound crazy right now, but I mean, you're back, right? You're here, you're listening. It's not like that's a huge surprise to you. That's literally the ferocity of my thought pattern about what I can do to give back to my friend, the environment, who gives me everything, everything. It's actually, it came up in conversation with Leo, which was the last um, podcast with another person. <laughs> no, sorry, with another human person, not a gajillion make-believe ones. Um, and it came up in conversation with Leah about this massive mental health realization that I had, which was prompted by imagining the person at the receiving end of my inner monologue as an actual person and I said to Leah, I was like, I don't, I don't, and I would never let anyone talk to me the way I used to talk to myself. And how messed up is that? And then realizing how messed up that was made me start paying attention to it ferociously, obsessively. I had a crazy complex going on and putting it in human form helped me start to take accountability and change it, make it better. And yeah, so the human thing, like your friend, like, yeah, I might have lost you by spending six minutes (laughs) on an inane ramble about your invisible friend who makes you banana bread. Um, But I find it helpful. And actually, it just reminded me that another example I had the other day, yesterday, hanging on the hanging bars. This is where all my ideas seem to just arrive. If the ideas are beings in the atmosphere surrounding me, they love it when I hang upside down. It's so weird, but it is literally makes my brain a magnet for these just, I don't know, thoughts that both (laughs) entertain me and also kind of make me invest in my evolution by thinking about their answers. And like, imagine the weather as a whole, everything about the weather, all of the moving systems. Imagine that as a dog, do you have a dog? Maybe you do. Maybe you used to. Sorry about that. If so, maybe you're about to. Yes. Maybe your best friend does, which is awesome because you never have to pick up the poo. But if you've ever seen a dog, you know how insatiably excited a dog gets when you pick up the lead or when they're just 
out at the dog park having the best time. They're just vibing so hard. You can feel their energy coming off them like noise. It's like another type of sense that you can just pick up on from these animals just in overdrive. And it's even to the point where you put your running shoes on and they they know, dude. They know. Of course they know. They're reading your mind on some level that you can't read yourself, but they see you lacing up and they just, oh, sit upright, stare at you, shoulders back, very slight wag of the tail. Are we doing this? Is it on? I bet it's on. I bet it's on. It's about time. You're putting the shoes on. All the sounds are here. The front door, the keys, those special keys. Yep. Is it on? It's so on, isn't it? Oh, the tail wag's getting bigger. <laughs> it's on, isn't it? It's on. They're still sitting bolt upright, just so still, just trying not to jinx it in case it's not on. And if they move, that's why it's not on anymore. So they're just sitting. And then finally, they're just like, yes! But imagine if you're just going for a run. If you're anything like me, you've actually not gone on a run and taken dogs walking instead because their energy has just got you. It's just reached out and grabbed you and just thrown a net over your consciousness just to be like, oh man, well now, now I felt this. I'm, I'm saying no. And I think about the weather as a dog. So imagine if the weather is just this dog that is amping up because no shit is about to happen. And so it is just intensifying. We're getting storms at weird times of the year, unseasonal swells, massive rainfalls, massive fires. It's just like, oh, it's just intensifying. The tempo is moving up and it is not moving back. And it's like an animal. It's like a dog just begging you to take it for a walk or just give it some attention. And all it is, is your friend who baked you so much banana bread, man. How much banana bread did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, um, this is crazy. This is what the podcast is now, guys. Self-talk. It's exactly what it is supposed to be because it is happening this way. I'm 16 minutes in and I haven't said a single word that I intended to. But I mean, the words that I've written down here that I intend to say are kind of cryptic. Um, lovely, cute, old woman. <laughs> oh yes. Okay, so I was walking home from the supermarket excuse me, the consumption church the other day. And I see this old woman, like ancient woman, so wizened and adorable. <laughs> and she's sweeping the footpath. Yes. Do you, does that compute? Sweeping the public footpath outside her house. And my heart just melted instantly thinking, they just we're just not like that anymore. Humans used to be so much better. That's someone who feels civic duty and is so happy to go the extra mile for her fellow citizens. So I'm just, oh, I'm smiling at this woman as I'm wandering past, trying to just like, oh, project, yes, love, respect, thank you, you know, all the love. And <laughs> I got close and I just hear her say, whose fucking bike is this on the grass? <laughs> It was amazing. I loved her even more instantly, even though, I mean, she's clearly not. Actually, I can't even blame her for not understanding the absolutely absurd cryptocurrency that is rental bikes in Sydney slash any other major metropolitan center in Australia and most of the rest of the world by now. There's bike rental schemes everywhere and None of them are the same <laughs> and they're all different colors and they end up everywhere. 
And sure enough, one's on the verge outside this woman's house. And she's just like sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. Rolls is walking towards just head in the clouds as usual, but then falling in love with this scene and then hearing this, whose fucking bike is this on the grass? It was so funny. That was a bad note to write down because it's only funny for me, isn't it? I was the one there. Um, never going to be, it's, it's not for anyone else. That was just for future roles. I hope, you, I hope you caught that one, mate. If you've only just turned the cochlear up or whatever, um, crank it back 30 seconds or so. You'll enjoy that memory, mate. I have an email thread. I want to read you out some emails that I have been sending trying to drum up a conversation for the podcast. And it's going to give you an idea of exactly how I do this thing, which is by the seat of my pants, aka hitting people up from email addresses I find on the internet. (laughs) And then every now and then a legend like Bob McTavish will hit me back. Amazing. Here we go. G'day, Red Cycle team. My name's Roland Davies. I make an environmental health podcast called Self Talk, where I focus on promoting sustainability in the everyday. Yeah, that's exactly what this has been so far. Okay, guys, I know you're checking. How long has this thing been? We haven't done any of that. Yes, we have. Okay, we have. Just in case this person asks. I'm reaching out to ask whether someone would be available for an interview about soft plastic recycling. I'd love the opportunity to provide my listeners. (laughs) Yeah, that's you three. (laughs) With an insightful conversation about how easy it is to divert soft plastics from the general waste bins at home and why that's such an important thing to do. Blah, blah, blah. I will make this available as a unique piece of content. Ooh, that's probably not whatever. That's what I wrote. Making the environmental discussion approachable is my sole aim with this podcast. If it contributes to the conservation tide arriving faster, I feel it's absolutely worth me doing. Etc. I got a reply. Yes, doesn't always happen. Dear Roland, thank you for your inquiry and support of Red Cycle. I would be happy to do an interview. Yes. Please let me know when. We also ask any interviewer to send through their questions prior to the interview to ensure we have the most up-to-date data available. Kind regards, Red Cycle. Awesome. Stoked. Not altogether surprised with needing to submit questions in advance. That's, I guess, kind of typical. But I wrote back a pretty raw response to it, and I haven't heard anything back, which is why I'm reading this out now, so that we can find out what happens here together. Hi, Red Cycle. That's not the name, but I mean, is this person going to be listening? Probably not. But in case, the name is Red Cycle. Hi, Red Cycle. Thank you so much for getting back to me. I'm stoked to hear you're up for it. There's only two things I specifically want to talk about. The first is the actual process of cleaning and sorting, melting and reusing soft plastics. For example, how does it get cleaned and sorted? What happens to highly degraded soft plastics? What kind of products can be made from it? The second thing comes from a more personal perspective of mine, being an environmentalist and avid waste enthusiast. I'd love to frame a conversation covering what happened on War on Waste. My sole aim in this is to restore my and others' confidence that it was an extreme anomaly and atypical of what actually happens with red cycle systems. Please understand I don't mean this as an ambush. I am genuinely desperate to recover the faith eroded after seeing red cycle contents in landfill and continue believing that separating and contributing my soft plastics to red cycle is a worthwhile and meaningful thing to do. I think discussing the above in a measured, rational, celebratory and forgiving way would be a meaningful opportunity to set the record straight with some good old-fashioned human connection. How does this sound? Actually, what I wrote. God, I probably should have edited that one. Anyway, you get the point, right? I genuinely... I genuinely am, am, am desperate for them to prove to me 
everything that I just said. I am desperate for that because great for red cycle from a business strategy, terrible for human beings trying to manage their waste, but there's not exactly that many alternatives to red cycle for soft plastics recycling. So I would genuinely love to be convinced that what happened on War on Waste when they put a tracking beacon in the bin and it ended up in landfill. I would love for that to be proven to me to be a hoax or something or made up or I just I'm, I just want that to have been a crazy nugget of gold for the producers from the ABC, but like crazy isolated disaster incident for Red Cycle. I'm desperate for that. And actually, that makes me remember, to, I always forget to say this, if you know a climate denier who's actually up for a chat, I would love to talk to them. It doesn't really matter who they are, because I'm keen to hear how everybody's psychology is contending with what's in front of us. My assumption with most people is that they are frozen, rooted to the spot in fear of the impending disaster of climate change and willfully continuing on like nothing is wrong because that's what most people are doing. And so, yeah, I assume that of most people, but I would be desperate to be shown otherwise. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I would be desperate to have someone sit me down and explain to me why I don't need to worry about this. Explain to me why I shouldn't be losing sleep, why I should bother restricting my own lifestyle when other people are doing the opposite. All that, I would love to be convinced on that, but I'm yet to find anyone with a rational narrative about why this is not real, why none of my anxieties that I just mentioned need to exist. So if you know one, or you are one, you're probably not one if you're listening. But if you are, come out the woodwork, brother, or sister, or whoever you are. Let's have a yarn. Seriously, please. Please convince me. Please show me why I'm the idiot and you're the genius, because show me that I just don't need to believe this stuff. But I can't fight my cognition <laughs> as much as my feelings try and force me to sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I making any sense? It's one of those chats which is so hard and it so doesn't need to be. It so doesn't need to be because it's weird to admit to an agenda. But I mean, agenda is everything. No one doesn't have an agenda except for computers. We agree about that, right? Like that is what computers are for, is to not have feelings, is to rationalize only only, always, but we're humans, okay? So we're the opposite. And so agenda is impossible. And it's great to have a neutral agenda, still an agenda. It just means that your priorities are peace and forgiveness and sympathy and all those wonderful things that you're trying to promote in a neutral atmosphere of rational discourse. But that's, I believe that's still an agenda. And my agenda, I have agendas everywhere, guys. Obviously, I'm doing this I'm trying to achieve a positive outcome with Red Cycle because I'm desperate to. I'm desperate for that to be the truth. But I'm not going to pretend that it is. And I'm also not going to pretend that not replying to my email ever is going to be a satisfactory response. So I'll check in again with you next week whether there's been a reply and whether you can look forward to listening to that conversation or not. Because I feel like I couldn't have really laid that out in a more honest way way, which is, let's be real, the, the point of this whole podcast, full-blown honesty, that's it, unfiltered, dude, unfiltered, because that's, that is so priceless in the future, 
So there's no point in me lying to you about the thoughts that are in my head when that's my prime audience is myself because I'm interested in accelerating my evolution. The other agenda about it is to, I don't know, prove that you can still enjoy your life (laughs) framing the whole of it around environmental sustainability. I'll tell you something else for free. Yeah. (laughs) I tried watching, I tried watching two new reality programs this week and I didn't make it through the first 10 minutes of the first episode of either one. I couldn't. But I picked like I picked or the algorithm suggested <laughs> the darkest, craziest reality TV I've ever seen and I couldn't do it. I literally I couldn't do it. The first one was called Jailbirds. You seen Jailbirds? It's exactly as the name would suggest. It's a reality show inside a female jail. And it's everything that you would expect of the gnarliness of such a subject. Like there's one chick who just plays everybody in there, such a flirt. And apparently the lesbian population is huge in this jail. (laughs) You know what she says? She's like, I'm married. (laughs) So I'm going to keep my hands and my spit to myself. I'm going to keep my spit to myself. Can you imagine a more disgusting sentence? And then shortly after that scene, it just cut to this girl who was brought into the to the jail it's not a prison is it i keep wanting to say prison pretty much the same thing brought in and is being like what's the word (laughs) i wanted to say inaugurated but that's definitely not the word into prison she's being put in the prison okay in the jail sorry not the same thing but kind of in my head they are um she's been putting in she's clearly high She's clearly so high on something, not exactly sure what, but she's busy flirting with the the checking officer who's taken all her details and photos and all that. She's talking up why she's there and being like this badass bitch. And then instantly after seeing this, this woman talk about keeping her spit to herself, it cuts back to this girl who has now sobered up and is trying the phone to get bail and no one's answering. And she is crumbling. And as she's just like coming back to planet E, you know, coming back to the three dimensions around her, which at that point in time was three concrete walls and a a wall of bars and no one's answering the phone and she's realizing the gravity of it and just crumbles and breaks and rolls is like, nah, don't need that. (laughs) Do not need that level of sadness. You know, I'm all for bulk level human education as we've discussed is the crux of reality television consumption but i don't need that i definitely didn't need that it was so depressing this poor girl because at the end of the day like yeah she's obviously a dickhead and she broke a bunch of laws and endangered a lot of people's lives took a bunch of drugs and is now just in a world of trouble she's also like just someone's two-year-old back in the day who knew nothing knew absolutely nothing about the world and whatever's happened now that's where she is and it's just like oh i was too sad i switched it off what i switched on (laughs) three wives one husband but what a title right like how can you not click that it's amazing i hit click on jailbirds when that was the next one but anyway three wives one husband is about polygamy in a specific town in, I think, Utah, these Mormons, and they're super fundamentalist. And a film crew follows them around for a whole year. And I thought, wow, what better place am I going to find to learn about my fellow human beings than this film crew following around these Mormons for a year? (laughs) 
you know what? To start with, I have to acknowledge they live in the most beautiful, well, not the most beautiful because most of those are in Australia. One of the most beautiful places you could imagine. The red Utah desert with these towering monoliths and beautiful, crisp, clear winter days and light dustings of snow and just like harsh, but absolutely beautiful place that they live. Um, And anyway, there's a bloke in there with two wives. He's in the courting process of like meeting a third who's just come out of the woodwork. Like, where do you find them, dude? Where did you, is there a Craigslist or like a gum tree for fundamentalist Mormons looking for either another wife or to join the the club, the family, the the tribe, that's what it is, isn't it? It's the, it's the call to the tribe. Wherever this woman's come from, he summoned her energetically or otherwise. Perhaps perhaps their God figured out for them to meet and who the bloody hell am I to say otherwise. The point is, she's there. He's busy showing her the house. He's building her as his third wife. It's important for them all to have space, apparently, matter-of-factly, because, like, are you really asking questions about my life? It's not normal to you? Huh. Okay, well, let me tell you some basics, dude. Your wives all live separately, okay? <laughs> Literally, this is this is not quite his attitude. He's a much nicer guy, as most, like, Christians are. But... <laughs> it's he's like dumbfounded by having to explain the simplest tenets of his life. And anyway, 10 minutes into this episode of three wives, one husband, we're suddenly in the living room of one of these houses and one of the wives is giving birth. Uh, they take it in turns, by the way, so that it'd be having... It's not taking turns anymore so much as waiting in line for the three of them for their future um, offspring. But for the first two wives, it was taking it in turns, right? And they've got 16 kids between them to this one bloke, of course. And um, anyway, one of them's giving birth and um, what's that you ask? Oh, yeah, of course all 16 kids are there. Of course they are. Oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah, no, definitely the third prospective wife is there too. And is the bloke there? Yeah, he's in the back somewhere, you know, but mainly it's about the kids and the wives. And I just watched like a really gnarly natural birth onto the living room floor. Uh, And again, like, whoo, congrats, guys. I guess I don't want to ask what you're doing with all of the um, accessories that came out too, but... I bet it's gnarly and all power to you. But again, I've, I've reached my capacity. I'm at threshold of what I can consume of media, of this kind of content. I'm out. I'm done. That was heaps. That's actually my year's quota of births because I've seen two of them this year on the telly and it's halfway through Feb. So well done, Rolls. I guess um, <laughs> making good choices there. <laughs> making good choices to be able to say that. Self-talk with Lucky Roland. Make good choices. <laughs> Three wives, one husband. That's real, guys. What I just said is real. That is, it's not make-believe. That's not a script that anyone wrote except these people's big guy or gal upstairs. You know what I mean? Like, it's real. That's happening. Human beings just like you are doing that right now they're they're all probably in all in one of them's living room watching another kid get born because that's the rate that it's happening wow this guy can have a new kid every three months if he wants whoa how crazy is that he's he's 
Do you reckon that that guy and his wives give a shit about resource scarcity? Is that... Because at what point does... Okay, here's the real question. Am I an absolute cretin asshole for just asking the blackness in front of me that question? (laughs) Probably. But you probably know me well enough by now to know I don't have any malice behind that question. Not what I'm asking it for. I don't because it's weird. Like suddenly that becomes what a hate crime to question a religious right to have as many kids as you can. It like when we're all sharing resources here. Where's the line there? Crikey! Uh, it's it's just too much to think about, isn't it? There's a really good old Ricky Gervais um, comedy like line about that when he's like, because people give him shit about not having kids. And he's like, why do people ask me why I don't have kids? How come they're not at McDonald's asking the people there why they have eight? You know? And it's such a valid point. It's, but I guess that's how, that's how primal the impulse is to reproduce and to immortalize yourself with flesh and blood. And I get it. You know, I'm human as well. But it's just like, wow, there's so much to think about. There's just so much to think about in life, isn't there? Self-talk with Lucky Roland. Lots to think about in life. Try and make good choices. That was real, actually. Wow, if you um trying to think, like, if you ever um, actually do recommend this to a friend, maybe play them just that two seconds there would probably be good. That would probably... <laughs> so just make a note of where we're at in the potty and um, bookmark it or do what you got to do and please use that as the grab to um, try and hook in well-intentioned but unsuspecting people who don't realize they're about to just have my brain, my hot steaming brain just poured all over theirs. That's all this is, isn't it? It's just like, just like a full mesh. It's just everything in the pot. Remember being a kid and you're at the dinner table and yeah, dessert's the last course, but the real last course is making soup out of everything on the table. Okay. That's basically what our brains are doing. You know, bit of ketchup, bit of so-and-so's leftover melted ice cream, bit of salt, <laughs> bit of Coke. <laughs> That's exactly what our brains are doing. And like, like I said in the last episode, I'm, I am a scientist. Like, like I would put it into more technical terms for you, but I don't think you can understand it. So I'm just using like, hey, relax, talking to myself in the future here again. Hey, hey, yeah, I'm just using language you can understand, okay? I'm just putting it into terms you'll definitely be able to comprehend, which is that our brains are smooshing into one another just like the leftover Dijon from Uncle Philip's plate that you've just scraped in and are currently smooshing into a tea bag with a fork. <laughs> That's our brains. <laughs> Do you know that situation that you get in? Here, I just thought of another analogy. I'm just going to launch right into it without thinking it through. Okay, so you know when you need to use the toilet and you you just need to have a number one and you pop in there and the toilet stinks. (laughs) And so you're having your piss and then you just think, this blows, Um, I need to wash my hands thoroughly and get out of here. And then you walk out and then someone you really like is waiting outside. And you just think, wow, how for some reason, even though it's just about bodily functions and even though that one wasn't even mine, something's happening in that person's estimation of me now. (laughs) I don't know exactly what, but something. And it just sucks. And it's kind of like climate change, guys. And, you know, 
the person who crop dusted the room in front of us is all of the former generations of industrial revolutionists. Yeah. (laughs) And we're in there just pissing and just like disgustingly managing to scroll Twitter at the same time. You know, I saw that at a urinal in the pub on the weekend, a guy on his phone and taking a piss. I was blown away. Um, We're in there and the place stinks. We're just trying to piss and get out of there. And then we open the door and, oh, who's that? Oh, it's the person we love the most in the world, the future generation at the door. Again, let's return to this single human (laughs) anthropomorphic tendency of mine. Yeah, it's just this one perfect human being that you love. It's like having a favorite member of the family. You just love them so much and you just would do anything to be held in high estimation by them. So, oh God, you suddenly realize, oh, I can't leave the room like that. So you close the door quickly and you're looking around. You're like, what can I do? I didn't really do anything. I didn't make this, you know, I've been eating so clean. Um, I'm regular. This isn't me. I would never produce this. (laughs) And you're looking around going, no, future generation is going to smell this and think so badly of me. What can I do? I need to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. And there's And you're just, oh, you're blind with panic and you're looking around. You're like, there's nothing that can help me. There's nothing here. What can I do about this? You're just like, oh, you're in a complete spiraling tizzy. And then suddenly, oh, wow, I spy an air freshener. It's called solar power. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I I keep spying. Yes, there's, there's, wow, a pulley that connects to the window way up at the top there and it opens it up and it vents it. Wow, that's called pumped hydro. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, you look in the dunny and realize that because you were scrolling Twitter, you didn't realize that it was just because the person before you hadn't even flushed. And neither had you. You forgot, you clown. (laughs) So you flush it and then slowly the smell starts to go away and you just think... I'm going to be able to pull this off. I'm going to be able to open the door to future generation and just say, oh man, I, oh, I think I've had a bug recently or so, something. I'm just fighting off the last of it. But um, anyway, how are you, by the way? You good? You look great. <laughs> and behind you, it's just like there's doves in the bathroom and it's all white. And maybe there's like a really nice sofa in there with a British racing green kind of cushion on it and it's made of wicker and stuff and there's like really good biodegradable essential oil based like plant soaps and stuff for you to clean with there's a bathtub like it's just the most perfect beautiful bathroom that future generations ever seen and you can see it in their face in their smile that smile that the future generation has that just like turns our hearts into liquid caves in our chest cavity our torso is just waving above us like one of those crazy inflatable arm flailing tube men outside the car yard (laughs) and we're just like so high on love for future generation and so are they with us because look at this immaculate bathroom we've left them (laughs) i forgot about the bathroom for a second jesus what is going on tonight hey like are you just like me too (laughs) me too no, but hey, if the world is, like, fucked, <laughs> we may as well have heaps of fun trying to unfuck it. That's a resolution that I've... I think I landed on that a long time ago, but it is just, like, cementing and bolding. It's like 
the perfect wave in the back of your maths exercise book that you just keep drawing over and over again and it just gets thicker and thicker and you're like, yep, that is the perfect wave. That's what this thought is doing in my head where it's like, yeah, okay, okay, we get it. There is more plastic in the ocean than fish. I've heard it all before by now. If if transport emissions was a country, it'd be doing the synchronized swimming or something. You know, like the numbers have stopped making sense by now. So if... <laughs> I need to move past how fucked the world is to a point where, okay, I need to structure a life of doing every single thing I possibly can do about that and then also make sure that I'm enjoying it because that's how I'll be most effective. And what it's turned into is me sitting in this makeshift sound studio slash walk-in closet that doesn't belong to me and make a secret recording. <laughs> Hey, I did my uh, my first. I did the first pre-cook I've ever done. Do you do a pre-cook? Are you a, do you cook? Because if you cook, you I don't know where you're at with cooking. I was so lucky to have such a dynamite chef for a mother that I think I got. I well, I basically got private tuition from the second I wanted it. So cooking for me has gone from not doing it to doing a little bit to following recipes with not much confidence to following recipes with much more confidence to following recipes almost off by heart to just ditching the recipe. And I've just discovered the next step, which is, again, thanks to my beautiful and insanely culinarily talented mother, um, who I noticed does stuff the day before she's going to serve it. And it made me realize that, you know, things that I've cooked always tasted better the next day, but I only cooked them for when I wanted to eat them. So the day of never tasted quite as good as the leftovers. So it's like mum's been intentionally making leftovers. <laughs> no, that sounds like a horrible reductive thing to say. I don't mean that. I mean, she's just been like thinking about it in advance of how can I make sure this is peaking with flavor and so i did my first version of that with a bolognese the other day and it was next level and you know what i cooked it was a wattle seed kangaroo bolognese i tried to make the most australian spag bog as i possibly could and it worked it was glorious it's such a cheat code doing things in advance so anyway i wanted that on record because if i'm what listening to this while feeding through a straw in 140 years because I'm still here, guys, still here, then I want that memory. I want the memory of what a joy it was to discover that and the gratitude that I have to my mum for learning it. I also just want, on record, the thoughts of at least one Australian on Tuesday, 23rd of February, 2021. Because I don't think, in fact, you know what? Because I'm so confident that no one else is me. <laughs> no one. I, I'm the only one who can do this. I'm the only one who can put out a raw, unfiltered fear of mine. Tuesday, 23rd, February, 2021. Here's a fear of mine. A fear of mine is that Australia is doing so little to tackle the climate crisis and it will remain completely transparent in the history books. I fear sometimes about 
what an Australian accent is going to sound like to the rest of the world by 2050. Because 2050 seems like, hopefully it's going to be 2030, but 20, in fact, it will definitely be 2030 because there'll be, it'll be necessitated. The weather, the dog, it'll be going crazy, just desperately pleading with us to pay attention. And it just, it makes me scared that it's, we're going to be able to look back and think, okay, what were the damaging things about the world? Well, coal was pretty bad. Okay. Where sold, what, what, what place sold the most coal? Oh, Australia. So I guess, yep, okay, so the world's biggest coal port was in Australia. And did all that coal go, yep, it did go past the Great Barrier Reef. Australia is looking pretty bloody culpable on the global stage right now. And I want a record to show that not everyone was. Yes, our politicians were. And I take back what I said about Juicy Sausage Face last week. That is Barnaby Joyce. I take back that I don't think he's a bad person. I actually, I accept that there, as much as I like to delight in the positive, happy ideas around me, I know that you can't have light without dark. I know there is dark energy in the world. And it seems like if it's going to be incarnate in anyone, it's probably, it's probably someone like Barnaby Joyce who's just selling his soul. I don't, what I'm saying is I don't want it to be a scandalous thing to have an Australian accent in the future. I think our she'll be right stuff attitude is actually letting us down right now because so far she's not all right. Your friend, the one who's been baking you all the banana bread slash dealing with every single piece of human waste ever. That's right. Your individual human friend called the environment. Yeah, she's not okay. She won't be all right. Wow, that's a whole other podcast. I don't think I can go into that right now. But I think the she'll be right stuff, that's got a lot to answer for, for how lazy we're being so far about climate change. Because, yeah, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm torn on that because I like it, obviously. I like the positivity. It's essential to remain optimistic. But I think it's also excusing a lot of heads in, in the sand right now. Anyway, not that's going to be a ramble for another time. I think it's time I leave you. I'm going to leave you for the week. Yeah, I think we've both heard. Um, do you want to know what I'll be doing for the rest of the week? I'm dead set about this thing right now of imagine if this, the world around us, really was heaven and you only get to stay here if you realise and, you know, live and act accordingly. Because that's pretty much, if you're in Australia, dude, that, that's pretty much what it is. The, the vast majority. Yes, there's a lot of poverty in this country, but there is so much wealth. And if you've got any piece of it, this is heaven. You're already here. So so if you want to stay, if you want to come back, it's not going to happen if you're just standing there watching. That's what I'm telling myself. That's what I've just told you. And that's enough. <laughs> um Thanks for listening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.